This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 72 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11, and you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you enjoy what we do with the On The Banks podcast, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us just by searching On The Banks. As we sit back, stay safe, and stay healthy, make sure to check out OnTheBanks.com for all your Rutgers sports news, opinions, and information. As I say to all my guests, I'll say the same to you, all of our great listeners. I hope everyone right now listening to the episode is safe and healthy. I am very excited to be joined on episode 72 of the podcast by the head coach of Rutgers men's soccer, Jim McKeldry. Now, Coach McKeldry and I discussed the positives and negatives of his first season on the banks, the uncertainty obviously surrounding the 2020 season and whether or not there will even be one, progress of players like Jackson Temple and Pablo Avila, and so much more as you'll hear in our discussion in a little bit. So, I spent the last episode discussing Rutgers fall sports, specifically Rutgers football, and whether or not I believe they will have a 2020 season, or should have a 2020 season. Since then, the entire Rutgers football program has been quarantined after six recent positive cases of the coronavirus. Look, this temporary shutdown of voluntary activities is certainly not a good sign um, when schools and colleges are trying to move forward. It's certainly not a good sign for things to come. But it it's most certainly the right move, even though it's only six out of, let's say, a potential 70 or 80 of players that are there. It's still the, the 100% right move. Now, I know schools like Clemson, LSU, Kansas State, among others, had double-digit positives compared to the single digits for the Scarlet Knights. But as we have seen, all it takes is for one of these players to test positive and for it to explode within the program. You know, in addition, the Big Ten has already had others like Michigan State, Ohio State, Indiana, and Maryland stop their workouts because of COVID-19. The other issue at hand that I need to just mention is the NCAA's really bizarre testing protocol. The NCAA suggested that players be tested once a week during the season, at least 72 hours prior to the game. So that's once a week, three days, yes, three days before the game. That leaves those three days for players or coaches to potentially contract the virus. That's moronic, in my opinion, and frankly, very short-sighted by the NCAA. These players, they're college students. They're social. They have non-athlete friends. They interact with others outside of the football team. If they are only required to be tested once, three days before the game, that is just, in my opinion, a recipe for disaster. We want to see college football, but unfortunately with Rutgers temporarily shutting down the program, it seems like the season is just drifting further and further. It seems like, you know, the the season is just moving away from us, even though, yes, technically it's getting closer day by day. To make matters worse, the NCAA, it's, they're not helping. You know, they're not doing enough either. We still have about two months till this season, and they have to get their act together. And even though we still have two months, and even though there is still a little bit of time, I'm worried that a lot has to change in those two months if we want to see the Scarlet Knights take the field this fall. 
Time to talk to the coaches. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. He's the head coach of Rutgers men's soccer, entering his second year leading the Scarlet Knights. I'm so excited to be joined by Coach Jim McKeldry. Coach, how are you? Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and joining me to talk Rutgers soccer. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I know it's time for everybody, so uh, I'm happy to make some time and uh, talk about uh, the upcoming season and, and hopefully uh, you know where we all are in the next couple of months. So, Coach, I've really started off all of my conversations with guests over the past four months asking about you and your family. How's everyone doing? You know, how has it been in the McKeldry house over these really crazy past four months with all the uncertainty that's happened since mid-March? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, you know, it's been a, it, it has been a real uh, interesting time. Uh, you know, we were, um, you know, heading into spring break when this all kind of broke. Uh, I was uh, planning on a a, a big recruiting trip that got canceled and um and at the time you you were frustrated with with those things uh, a recruiting trip getting canceled or kids uh you know calling you saying their spring breaks were canceled um but really that was just the tip of the iceberg but uh it's been my, i've been lucky uh, i live uh, here in new jersey um my family's been healthy i have a a daughter who just finished her sophomore year in high school and a son who just finished the, the seventh grade so it was a, a real uh, interesting time for them, uh, finishing all their classes online like everybody else. But uh, more or less, uh, you know, they get through it. And, um, you know, we're just happy to be healthy and then hopefully uh, moving in the right direction in our state. I think uh, we're lucky in that I think we've got good leadership in our state and, and on our campus at Rutgers. So uh, all the information has been as good as we could hope for. And now we just keep plodding forward. And now your family hasn't gotten sick of you yet, because I'm sure with obviously the recruiting trips canceled, this has probably been the longest you've been home, you know, not really doing any soccer-related activities for probably a pretty long time. Yeah, for probably uh, on two on two fronts. This is the most I've been home for a straight period, I think, since I was in high school. Uh, I don't think I've been home for this many days in a row uh, since I was still finished up my high school days many, many, many moons ago, <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, so that, that's, that's certainly, um, you know, one side of it. And, and then also just being away from soccer in terms of, again, I, I, I probably haven't taken this long, um, away from being on a field either as a player when I was younger or as a coach, um, really for, forever. So it's really been, um, you know, a time to maybe kind of, you know, kind of hit the reset button a little bit. I, uh, you know, never really took a break from our team, so to speak. But in some ways, it, it was nice to maybe take a step back from, you know, soccer for uh, for a short period of time anyway, and and to uh, take a breath. They haven't done that in a really long time, but uh, and and you know, kind of reconnect with with everybody and your family. But uh, you know, now that soccer's starting to to revamp back up, and and you're your kids end up getting busy and they want to be doing things uh, that, that kids want to be doing. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can all get back to, to doing things that we love doing. And uh, for me, that's, that's working and, and coaching and, uh, and for my family getting back to, you know, the things they love to do and hopefully getting everybody back to school sooner rather than later. Most definitely. So coach, you know, I want to look back at your first season last year and look, this season will certainly be different in a lot of ways, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But last year, a really solid start to the season, 6-0-2 in the first eight. What did you like about that first half start to last year and some of the positives you took away from getting out of the gate in September just so quickly? 
Yeah, it was it was nice to get. Uh, we we brought in a lot of new faces, as you know, and um, you know I, I was really happy with how the group gelled together, just as um, you know, as young young men and and getting along with each other and learning about each other. A lot of there's always a lot of challenges when a new coaching staff comes in. Um, you know, you bring in a lot of new players, but also the returning players have have adjustments to make with new coaches. So it's it's challenging for everybody. And and I've always said this from the beginning. I mean, we had. Uh, good kids on the team we it wasn't a situation where we took over a a group that had uh you know troublemakers or or bad kids that that wasn't the case at all um really it was just about us trying to you know maybe um implement style that we want kids to be playing maybe try to adjust maybe their training habits or maybe their um you know kind of commitment to to what needs to be done to be a high level division one athlete um, you know, not so much during the, the fall season, but in the off season and, and what you're doing and what you're sacrificing to, to prepare to be hopefully a, a big time division one athlete. So uh, those were just some of the things that we tried to implement. And I was really happy with our group early on in the season. I think we knew um, there were some, you know, some, some things we need to address in terms of depth of our squad at, in certain positions on the field. Uh, and we knew that, uh, you know, from, from day one, um, but you can't change everything immediately. So we were uh, happy with the way we started. We won a bunch of close games, which is always a good sign. Um, but we always knew that the, the Big Ten Conference was going to be uh, more challenging, uh, as, it, as it proved to be, which we knew. But not so much uh, only because of the talent we were playing, but, but also as, um, you know, as you pick up injuries, uh, your, your depth gets um, exposed a little bit. So we knew there were always those issues uh, on the horizon. But in terms of how we started the season, I really was happy with our group and how they com- uh, competed from day one and, uh, and how they really uh, committed themselves over the summer to be prepared early on in the season. I think that helped us win a bunch of games early on because our group was you know, ready to go from, from day one. You know, that kind of brings me to my next question. A great start. I'm sure uh, the finish was not what you would have wanted. And look, you said you can't obviously change things immediately. Um, but I'm sure, look, you, you're still a competitive person. You're a coach. I'm sure your players feel the same. They want to go out and win every game. What kind of flipped against you guys in the second half of the year? And how do you, in the off season and when next season does come around, kind of adjust to make sure that consistency is there from the beginning of September all the way to the end of November? Yeah, I think consistency is, is always a challenge for any um, uh, any team. You know, that's really one of the goals for for any team. How can you be uh, consistent game in and game out and not have a great game one day and then really play poorly the next day? So I think that's something we talk about a lot. Uh, to individual players having consistently good games day after game after game. Um, you know, those are the best the best players, but also as a collective unit, can you be consistent? And, uh, you know, I talk a lot about, hey, can you ride out the tough times in games? Because there's always moments, especially in soccer, there's a lot of ebbs and flows in the games where, hey, can you ride out those moments when you're not playing well and not concede a goal? And when you are playing well, can you turn that into an actual goal and, and not feel that you, you know, you wasted good moments? So, you know, I think consistency is a big one. But I think uh, the biggest challenge for us in the second half of the season was was really uh, depth of our squad. We picked up a couple of injuries. Chris Pio was played our first six games, was one of our best players as a freshman, um, playing as a left back, but really an attacking and oriented guy, uh, broke his collarbone. And that, you know, that affected us a little bit. We had to make a bunch of adjustments. And then, you know, we picked up a couple of other injuries where guys, you know, missed three or four games here. 
and it just we struggled to get that you know that that next man up to kind of play in the same vein as we had our starters playing and that's something that we feel we can address in improving some of the players we have you know just through coaching and them getting better and working hard but then also through recruiting you know can we um increase our talent base not just bringing in one special player but can you bring in um a group of players that can start games sometimes maybe come off the the bench on other games and really uh you know uh, avoid having that dip in form if you pick up an injury or if you play a certain team that plays a certain style can we adjust to that so that we can compete with every team we're playing with and i thought you know for the most part uh, i thought we competed well uh, throughout the entire season uh, even in the games we lost i thought we played well i think when teams uh, or, or coaches come and see us play or, or recruits come and see us play that's been a common theme that you know you played well for long periods of time we maybe just missed some opportunities or or made a, a mistake at a you know, at an inopportune time, um, you know, I think probably the only the, the second half of playing away to Indiana, we were 0-0 at halftime, but I thought they really outplayed us that second half um, out at Indiana. Uh, but besides that, you know, 45 minutes, I, I really thought our guys competed well. It didn't always uh, result in us winning. And as you said, you know, we're competitive and we want to um, win every game we play, but we also want to uh, commit to some of the you know, values that we have as a group and, and can we really stick to those and, uh, and get better, in, you know, in soccer, you can always come and just sit in at the top of the box and defend and defend and defend and, and hope you, you get a tie. Uh, we didn't want to do that this year. We wanted to make sure our players were developing and, and hopefully that will uh, bear some fruit, whether it's this year and the following year. And I think what all Rutgers fans saw, however, was progress. And, of course, that was certainly a welcome sight. And I'm sure in your position, in year one, well, look, you obviously want to win every game, as we mentioned. That progress is so important. And just as just as important as winning is setting that foundation and that culture, you know, which are obviously, and I'm sure you'd agree, so critical when beginning a rebuild. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think when, when you look at um, new coaches when they come in, and, and we're looking at it right now with Coach Ciano and his football staff, right? I mean, one of the big things is recruiting and bringing players in um, and, you know, increasing your talent base, increasing the guys that have the same mentality that, that you want your players to have. Um, but there's also, once they're here, you know, can they get better? Uh, can they um, believe in the system that you're uh, preaching and I think those are those are things that we've tried to work on a lot. Um, you know, your culture is 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 a huge part of it. But I I think sometimes um, you know people feel, hey, a new staff comes in, it just automatically changes a culture. <clears throat> you know, in the short term, that's true. But I think you really have to work at it um, because there's tough moments in in sports, right? You're you know, we had a couple of great wins uh, early on in the season. Everybody's feeling well. And, and, and then you, you lose a game in overtime. How does your team adjust to that? Can they come back the next day and play well? And, uh, you know, so I think it's, it really is a, is a day-to-day kind of work in progress. But, uh, you know, overall, I was really happy with our competitiveness. I, you know, my uh, staff give me a hard time because I, I use that word more than, than any word, uh, when whether it's recruiting or our current players it's just about competitiveness. How will, how much you're willing to to train uh, to prepare for a season? So how competitive are you with yourself? You know, in games, just individually, can you be competitive? Can you do it in training? Can you do it in the weight room? And I think it's something that I was 
I was happy with how our guys competed day in and day out, um, regardless of sometimes that the result didn't go our way. You know, I felt they really did come uh, and, and fought every single uh, game that we played. Joined by the head coach of Rutgers men's soccer, Jim McKeldry. So, Coach, let's switch over to this season. Look, it's going to be a strange one. And frankly, whether or not there will even be a season is obviously still up in the air. First, I want to hear your opinion on this. It's it's out of your hands. It's out of Rutgers' hands. The Big Ten will ultimately decide. We have seen already conferences cancel fall sports or postpone them to 2021. What were your initial thoughts on the decisions of those conferences? You know, has the prospect of, I guess, a canceled or a postponed season kind of crossed your mind? And has that at all kind of changed your preparation? Or is it really just business as usual until you hear differently? Yeah, I think it's, it's certainly crossed uh, my mind. Uh, I think it's crossed every coach's mind in every single sport, including football. I think everybody is, is um, you know, on pins and needles a little bit on, on where it all goes. But, uh, you know, I was not surprised that some of the other conferences um, canceled. I think for, for many schools, many conferences, I think the testing protocol that needs to be in place was maybe just not realistic for those teams, whether it was financial, whether it was logistics, whether the conference didn't uh, feel they could implement it or really follow up with the testing protocols that really are needed if you have a chance to keep uh, not only your team safe and your campus safe, but your opponent. And uh, so, you know, you could feel that over the last couple of months as you're talking to other colleagues in the business, realizing that they're just not going to be able to do that. And that's when, you know, you really could see the shift of all of a sudden some of the conferences like ours in the Big Ten, and and I'll just talk about our school in particular, um, you know, the protocol, we have a great um, chief medical officer and and Dr. Josh Bashad, um, you know, who has worked, you know, working with the university and with the state and, you know, it's really high level stuff that, um, you know, the the testing protocols that we're going to have in place if we do in fact go ahead with the season is giving our athletes the best chance to, to stay healthy. It keeps the community healthy. And then there's a trust that the, the opponents that we would be playing would have the same protocol, and it gives us all the best chance. Obviously, there's no guarantee. So, uh, you know, I, I think you, know, you could feel it coming in some of the other conferences, and, uh, and I feel for them. I spent a long time in a, in a mid-major, con- mid-major conference and, and know that, uh, you know, those finances uh, are really just not there, and it's, um, it's not – sustainable. So uh, I think in a lot of ways, we're very lucky to be in the Big Ten and and, um, and be at a school that, uh, you know, takes this seriously and also having a medical department, uh, you know, facet of, of Rutgers and, you know, them inventing the saliva test is, is really uh, what makes a place like Rutgers special. So, um, you know, I think as of now, going forward, we're preparing uh, to have a season. Um, we had our players in today, uh, for their first round of testing for people that want to um, uh, take part on voluntary workouts on campus with our strength coach, not not being coached by us. Um, and it's really just local players. Uh, we have about 14 players uh, that are local that um, have started the process and it's and it's quite a process, but that's a, that's a good thing. It gives our our families um, you know peace of mind that we're we're really trying to keep their, their athletes uh, and their kids safe. And, um, and hopefully it's all about the long term of, you know, it's one thing to be practicing on campus, but, you know, the, the big decisions are, does it make sense to travel? Can we remain safe when we're traveling? 
Um, but I'm really confident and, um, and happy to be involved with Rutgers because uh, the amount of resources they're putting into it and the amount of manpower they're putting into looking after our, our student-athletes is really incredible. So, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be prouder to be part of that. But there still are, uh, you know, a lot of uncertainties on, on where the, the fall sports go for, for those teams that are still, um, you know, active in looking at their fall seasons. So let's look at the team and looking at the group you do have for 2020, you return your top two scorers in Pablo Avila and Jackson Temple. What do they have to do to build off of their really solid 2019 seasons and not only increase their offensive output, but really grow as leaders now that they're another year older and another year more comfortable in your system? Yeah, I think, um, you know, those guys had great, uh, great seasons for us. Uh, Pablo's a little older than Jackson. Jackson's very young, um, you know, barely uh, 18 years old, where, where Pablo is, is a little bit older. So, you know, if you kind of separate those two guys, I think, um, I think Pablo uh, has already taken a, a big leadership role in our team in, in the, you know, in the off season. And uh, he's a very mature guy. He, um, he's, a very team-oriented guy for someone who has a lot of success and, and got a lot of accolades this year. He's really all about the team. Uh, I'm, I've been impressed with Pablo from, from day one uh, just in terms of his ability to be a really good individual talent but also a really team-oriented guy. So, uh, you know, he's a special guy. I think for him individually, uh, I think he'd be the first to tell you that, you know, they – international players many of them when they get here they really have no idea what to expect what the level of play is what the level of training is going to be and i think uh, he would tell you uh, you know the level of play was better than he thought the the facilities the the training environment everything was higher than he thought so he's the guy that i know because uh, we've spoken about it often is just feel so much more mentally prepared for this upcoming season he knows how to train he knows a little bit more on on what to expect so i think um that alone will improve him a lot in terms of being able to just know what he's getting himself into um and i think jackson you know really had a had a great season for us as well jackson is a just a tireless worker and ultra competitive in practice in games at every moment um and i think for him it's just getting used to the physical nature of the game he's not um, shy from that at all or afraid of any of that. He's actually the opposite. He's, he's very physical for a smaller guy. But I think, you know, how do we get him to, um, you know, to be a little savvier and maybe avoiding some of those those moments where players are happy to kind of be physical with him? Hey, how does he avoid that? Can he, can he uh, um, you know, find little gaps in the, in the back four of an opponent so that he's not getting kicked all over the field? Uh, because pretty quickly he was recognized as a, as a good attacking talent. So then, uh, you know, as teams do, they try to, to try to be more physical with him, especially cause he's younger. Um, but, uh, I think he'll, he too will be very much more prepared for that. And, uh, and again, his work rate and his, um, uh, competitiveness is really second to none. So, uh, I know he's, uh, he's really kind of chomping at the bit to be back and, and, uh, and get back on the field. You also brought in Richie Barry as a transfer from St. Joe's as he decided to spend his final year here at Rutgers. With both his ability and experience on the field, what does he add to the program to help continue the progress made last year and bring it now into this upcoming season? Yeah, I think uh, it's exciting with Richie is that one, he's uh, you know a New Jersey guy. Um, you know, I knew uh, Richie as uh, you know I used to coach against him when uh, when he was at St. Joe's, so I've seen him firsthand as a player. 
Uh, he's got a lot of talent. Again, another guy who's uh, incredibly driven, uh, puts a lot of time into his game off, uh, you know, off the kind of normal team training on his own. Um, you know, he has high ambition. It's one of the things that we're always looking for in, in players. You know, what, what do they want to achieve? Do they want to keep pushing themselves or are they content where they are? And, and Richie's one of those guys that he wants to push himself and his teammates to, to reach the absolute maximum that they can have or, or what they can be. So um, he came in in the spring for us. So Richie's been here with us since, you know, mid-January, which was incredibly helpful. Uh, it's one of the things you're, we're so disappointed about, um, you know, not having a full spring season, someone like Richie being able to play in a 11 v 11 game against outside competition. Uh, we were looking forward to that, but he, he settled in really well with our, our current players, especially guys like Jackson and Pablo, you know, he's an attacking oriented guy, a midfielder forward, you know, has the ability to score goals. Um, but I think one of his real main qualities is that he's uh, super committed to, to being the best he possibly can. And he wants to be in an environment where other players have that same ambition or, or same attitude. So, you know, that's eventually how he found his way to, to Rutgers. And uh, we're really happy to have him. And I think he's going to be a huge asset to our group. Coach, a couple more from me. You know, you now spent a year in the Big Ten and saw just how deep and challenging a conference it is. What did you learn as a coach from that first season? And how do you use that experience that you gained to help you better navigate the Big Ten now that you know the opponents, you know the style, and you know just how competitive the conference is? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, before joining the conference, uh, I think every soccer coach knows how, how good the Big Ten is. I think, you know, having two years ago, having three teams in the final four, uh, you know, kind of solidified that having uh, multiple teams in the conference that have won national championships. Uh, you know, I think everybody knows it's a, an incredibly competitive conference. And, and I certainly knew that. I think one of the real pleasures of being in the conference is uh, the coaching uh, group that, uh, that you join is, is a tight knit group, um, you know, incredibly competitive against each other, but really work hard to, to push the conference to, the highest possible levels and I think that's something that I've really enjoyed being a part of a lot of really high level coaches um, but also good people so that's been something I've uh, I think is a real asset to, to the Big Ten and, and I've heard that from some of the other coaches uh, at Rutgers about in their sports as well that and that's a big part of uh, I think why the conference is so strong but you know I think we um, you know the 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 depth of our team is something that we've really tried to work on. Again, within our team, trying to get some of the players to improve and get even better so that they can be uh, assets to the group and, and really reach their ceiling as players. And then also on the recruiting side, because, you know, there's the, the depth of the group is, is just massively important when you're playing in this conference. The games, especially in the second half of the season, you know, you might play on a Friday and then a Tuesday and then a Sunday. And the games are coming fast. You pick up an injury and you, you could have somebody miss three games. So you really do need guys that can come in and step in. And also on the depth side early on in the season, those guys can help with managing minutes. I think it's something that, you know, we, uh, you know, we'll certainly look to do even more as we build our depth those first half of the season in a normal season. I know this 2020 might not be a normal season, but, you know, try to allow some of these players to get more minutes, um, 
in the first half of the season so that as the second half of the season comes around, you know, we, we feel that they're ready and, um, and they can step in at any moment, whether it's playing against Indiana or Michigan State or whomever it may be. But, you know, I think the talent level is, is, uh, is incredibly high in our conference. But, again, that's why uh, myself uh, and, and, and my assistant coaches came here to, to be part of that and to challenge ourselves. And it's one of the ways that we're recruiting. It's, hey, do you want to play against the best players and the best teams in the country? Uh, at, a, at a place like Rutgers where we have uh, incredible facilities, hey, this is for you. And I think that uh, we want guys that want to be challenged. Coach, last one for me. Look, year one, fans really just look for progress and want to see a culture being built. Year two, those expectations obviously now begin to increase. How do you prepare now with those expectations growing, and how do you prepare your players to now react and you know kind of embrace the challenge of both reaching those expectations and hopefully exceeding them? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's athletics right there. You know, you want to if you don't uh, if you're not at a place that has high expectations, um, you know that it's probably not that important to anybody. So you have to embrace those expectations. And I think most of uh, the, the coaches uh, and and players that are pushing themselves to a high level, they expect those expectations, and you just have to enjoy it and um, and and maybe even exceed what people have. I think our alumni group is a good group of guys. Uh, a lot of them played on very, very good teams over the years, and it's something that, you know, what we've tried to encourage our players is to, is to think of it as, as, you know, Rutgers has a fantastic history, and our job is to, you know, uh, learn from that history and understand it and appreciate it, um, and then also try to add to it. And I think that's something that, you know, I take very seriously. We want to uh, respect and, and honor all those awesome teams that came before us. I went to final fours, you know, professional players, players that played in the world cup. Um, and at the same time, can we write, uh, you know, add to that history book, uh, for Rutgers soccer. So as that comes along with the expectations, uh, but I think you have to be excited about that. Uh, people care about, uh, soccer in the state of New Jersey, which is exciting. And I, I take that as something that we should appreciate and, and feel lucky that, it's important. So uh, embrace the expectations, build off this first year where we feel we improved greatly in terms of our competitiveness and, and results. Uh, and then can we keep uh, taking it to the next level this, this year in 2020? And as you said, it's a, it's not going to be a normal year. As of now, we have no, you know, outside competition uh, outside the conference, um, you know, which is really a, a different look, but Hey, how do you turn that into an exciting season, whether it's in the, in the fall or the spring or whenever this happens, um, you know, can we just be uh, uh, excited about playing some of the best teams in the country and hopefully put ourselves in that top group uh, in our conference? Because if you're in our top half of our group of our conference, then you're you're one of the top teams in the country. So, uh, you know, we're excited about the uh, expectations and uh, and look forward to meeting them. Head coach of Rutgers men's soccer, Jim McKeldry. Coach, thanks so much for coming on. Stay safe, stay healthy. Of course, I wish you and the team all the best this upcoming season, whenever that season does ultimately happen. Well, thanks for having me, and, and same goes to you. Uh, stay safe, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll all be back on campus soon. I want to thank Coach McKeldry for coming on the podcast and joining me to talk Rutgers men's soccer. You know, It was great to hear from him as he and his staff look forward to year two in this rebuild and, you know, hopefully a 2020 season. Looking back to 2019, it was really a tale of two halves for this program last year. Starting off so hot through their first eight games, I believe 6-0-2, oh, 
but then they slowed down when they really got into the meat of Big Ten play. And for those who follow college soccer, they know how good Big Ten play is. But look, it was year one of a rebuild, and ups and downs like that are to be expected. You know, in year one, you want to lay the foundation and bring in a new culture, and frankly, that's exactly what Coach McKeldry and his staff accomplished. Now, year two comes with, obviously, some higher expectations. Look, are those expectations to jump to the top of the Big Ten this season? No, but this team is expected to show improvement. That comes with improved wins and, ultimately, somewhat of a move up the standings. This team, look, it brings back a lot of talent. I mentioned to earlier in the podcast in Jackson Temple and Pablo Avila, their two leading scorers from last season, and it certainly adds some big pieces as well as we talked about Richie Barry in our discussion. It's a process, yes, but one that is certainly moving along as we saw last year and as we saw this offseason. Now, you know, it's just a matter of whether or not there will even be a season for them to show continued progress. But if there is, I'm confident that we will continue to see that progress and continue to see that momentum with Rutgers men's soccer in this program under Coach McKeldry here on the Banks. Follow On the Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On the Banks Podcast.